We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. to do a long one i wanted to test 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 my strength right there good morning grinders welcome to the dfs pregame show here on roto grinders i'm jordan cooper uh you could uh, at blender hg i probably i can't even i can't even do the intro i don't know i it threw me off the long the long good morning threw me off right it's it's tuesday it's june june 20th right we know that right i know that at least welcome to the show right I'm so you get so you get muscle memory of like what you do in the beginning. It's like, oh, I know blah, blah. you almost don't even have to think about it. But then once you like stray away from what you do, and then it's like, ah, oh, I don't I well, you forgot what I say in the beginning of shows, right? But good morning. We got the YouTube chat going, the the early birds. Even though Steve didn't put up the 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 <laughs> the live stream until like six minutes before or whatever, but you you found it, right? We got we got the regulars here. We got Bart B, we got Wataz, we got Brian C, we got Chase Simmons. Alex Santi, Discounts TV. Does he have a good deal on a television? Maybe. Maybe he got two thumbs up. Hit that dummy thumbs. Hit the dummy thumbs. Remember, you got free content here. The, 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 the way that you pay for it is with your dummy thumbs. So hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Obviously, on the shows during the uh, during the week, uh, I answer your questions, right? If I could find If I could find the banner in here. Where's the, there we go. Where's, where is it? Yeah, there on the bottom, right. So submit your questions. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. You send them in, I answer them. Obviously, I, I answer the YouTube chat and everything like that. But if you're not here, there are plenty of people that listen on the podcast feed, which you get on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. So I, I see I, there's tons of downloads there that, you know, they listen whenever, right? Later in the day, a week from now, who knows, right? This is, this show is mostly evergreen content. 
So a lot of times people can't show up at 11 o'clock in the morning, right? They can't, but they still want their questions asked. They, they want their questions answered. So go, email them in, questions at theoryofdfs.com, even if we've covered it before, right? We got to the point, right? Got to the point where, yeah, I know, I'm going to repeat myself again, but sometimes people want the, the reiteration of the concepts, Especially if you want structured learning, the best way is to go and get the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as the Advanced Player's Guide with custom Excel tools. Get them both, theoryofdfs.com. Today is just a mailbag day. I'm just going to clean out the inbox, okay? You want to see what we got? Want to see what we got in the inbox? I'm not sure. I may be answering the same things over and over again, but who cares? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, let's see, David. Uh, we're talking about the, the 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 sim tool. I mean, this is this is a question. I don't know how, how best I could like help or answer exactly, but uh, he says I have it on my other screen. Just so that's why I'm looking over on this side. Right, Samuel B says I don't think there are any new questions that can be asked about the DFS. Well, I don't think it's necessarily new questions. I mean, there there are plenty of people. The purpose of this show is unstructured learning. So, I mean, I've been playing DFS for, it's going to be in, in October, eight years. There are plenty of people that, have, that just started, only been playing the past year, only been playing once in a while. They've been playing for five years, but just off and on and every so often and whatever, right? They may not have found Roto-Grinders yet, right? They, this is their first interaction, or maybe they just signed up for Roto-Grinders Premium, right? They're taking a look at lineup HQ. They're taking a look at the projections or content and everything. They may not know. They may not. They may not know, or at least be uh, be highly familiar with a lot of concepts. I mean, we see. Come on, and go on Twitter, right? Go go in the community. There's still plenty of people that don't know basic statistics. Like plenty. I mean, most people. Most people. Now, the people that watch this show, the regulars. I mean, we all know this, right? I'm not saying anything that is new, right? When we did, we discuss mathematical concepts that that you could have learned in high school or middle school. It's not like complex stuff. Sometimes we do talk about a little bit more complicated stuff. Yesterday we talked about, you know, the James is running and putting together sims and 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 and, and contest fields and trying to do some vector analysis. Like, the, dude, do you, do you have to do that? No, still interesting. Still puts you in the mindset of. The thought process of what could go wrong, like what what is what does this thing do, right? And what is the output, and how do I interpret that output based on the methodology? That's why you will see scientists, right? Scientists when a study comes out, so some study. This is a, this would be a tip if you if you re just read headlines on news stories, okay? Some media literacy. When you see a when you see a headline, one in five people, yeah. You know, make love to reptiles. There's, you know, some some nonsense type of headline. You know, one in five or something. You know, you know, 20, one in five people make have sex with reptiles, right? That can't be true, right? Well, based on it'll say study, it'll say study. One in five, you know, would like to have a sexual experience with reptiles or something. And then you look at the actual study, and that's not really exactly. That's not really what it says. That's 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 not really really what it says. Right. Either either it means something different. Right. That has nothing to do with sexual relations or anything like that. It could be a study, a study uh, that uh, analyzed uh, the the sexual response of uh, a group of people. And they showed pictures of different things that could stimulate you. <clears throat> and it turns out that that one in five people during the course of. You know, here's some something that stimulates you, something that shouldn't stimulate you, something that does should, something that shouldn't. That one in five people still are some stimul stimulated in the course of that 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 study by some lizard or snake on the street or something. And then it's like, okay, we're going to take that because that's like sensationalized, and it's like one in five people want to have sex with a reptile, like that, that that that's actually not what the study says. And then you have to look at the methodology. It's like, oh, we 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 tested this on uh, on on twenty people, right? On just a total of twenty people with that, not even a representative sample size. So completely sex crazed people, 
right? Nymphomaniacs, 20 nymphomaniacs, and one out of five still had a sexual response for a reptile. Like, like, but you do look at the headline and you go, wow, one out of five people. Like, what's the methodology of the study? Understanding the methodology, you go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This conclusion, right? The one in five may be technically correct, but that's not really what it means. So it's very similar in DFS when you see simulation outputs, right? I mean, even stuff like, you know, what's the best play? Like, well, that's in a vacuum. Like, oh, this is the best point per dollar play. What does that mean? That means his mean projection for his salary is the highest on the slate or is very high on the slate. Does that mean he's the best play? Does that what what does that term mean? Many people think best play means to, this guy's going to do well, and that's not what best play means, right? People try to make it out that that's what it means. Yeah, he's the most probability of hitting his median compared to other people's medians. I like that. That's really what it means, but people don't look past that. That's the point of this show to understand the context of these things. And then even if he was the, quote, best play, that doesn't necessarily mean you could make the best lineup, the highest EV lineups with that guy because he's owned 74% or something, you know, something like that. So it's not just one thing. So you see, you know, oh, here are the best plays of the day for, here's the five best plays of the day. And you go, okay, I'm going to take all five plays and put it into my lineup. And why aren't I winning? Why aren't I winning 100,000 first place? Like, yeah, well, all five, all five guys are like 25 plus percent on because they obviously project the best for their salary median wise. And then once you start factoring correlation and leverage, then maybe you shouldn't be playing all five players in the lineup in the specific contest that you're playing. So in and of itself, the headline, here are the best plays. Like that in and of itself, that doesn't, that, that doesn't mean what you think it means. So I try to train people to think better right not you know oh here here are all the answers for this specific slate well they're going to change you don't have a time machine there's a ton of variants so how do you think about games not just dfs just think about games in general understanding the concepts of game theory so you can apply them in whatever way you want in any game any sport on dfs any any format any and go okay. What the, is it? What what are what are the contextual variables that involve small slates, large slates? You know, different projection differences and everything. So you could bluntly look and go, this theoretically, from a conceptual standpoint, makes sense to build lineups like this. They would have a higher expected value than lineups like that. That's just go, going through the steps, understanding basic statistics, basic mathematical concepts, and then using logic to go through the steps of going, well, what's the flaw here? What 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 could be overrepresented there based on your methodology? We always talk about blunt methodologies and precise methodologies. So what James was talking about yesterday was a more precise methodology on seed lineup creation, creating the uh, field lineups that are going to be represented in, in a specific contest. So like uh, David asks, where he, he kind of says that would it be would a tool like that with a process like that be most useful for late swapping in NFL or late swapping in general, I guess. So being able to actually have the lineups at 1 p.m. So like we picture an NFL Sunday classic slate where 1 p.m. Eastern, probably you get like nine games that go and then at four o'clock you get like four games or five games or However, they split it. Sometimes eight and five. Sometimes it's seven and four, whatever, depending on the bye weeks. But it's two very distinct times. Of the afternoon, you get like four or five, four or five, four twenty-five, four twenty-five. But for the most part, all the other games start at one, and then by around like three thirty, like you kind of get a sense. You kind of you kind of know what the players are going to score, and you also have all the ownership, and you also have all the lineups except for the empty spots. So you can add up the salaries and kind of semi-predict what are going to be in, you know, other in your opponent's lineups. So that's why he says being able to have the actual lineups at 1 p.m. and having the actual ownerships and the salaries remaining for the field, 
It would then provide the data to adjust the late game's projected ownership with very strong accuracy, as well as distributing that ownership into representative actual lineups and combos. And that's where he feels that it could get, you could get really get some edge via late swap. And he's just basically asking that, you know, does this make any sense? And do you know if uh, top players that, you know, do a lot of programming are doing this type of thing? And I can, t- I can tell you, yes, to some degree. I, I plenty, plenty of top players uh, utilize late swap like for their own lineups, but I don't know if they're necessarily simming, taking the actuals, and then simming with their own lineups, and then kind of like having them having the line having them guess what the other lineups and fill them out for the ownership, and then coming across and then what would be the what what would their current lineups like? ROI look like current, like currently with what who they currently have in their slots, and then what would be better lineups to play that would be higher ROI based on what we already know. Like you can't, like I'm, I mean you you can do that. I don't know how long that takes. I mean because obviously when we're talking about late swap, you know there's there's much smaller time windows. So doing it, I don't doing it accurately. Or more accurately than obviously pre-contest, you know, pre-lock, is going to go up because we have more information. I mean, that's just basic logic. Right? The more information we have, the the more accurate we can be. But from a speed perspective, are you going to be able to run all of that as well as being accurate on on the simul- simulated ROI? I mean, I'm sure you can, but I mean, you need the programming chops to do so. I think that's something Nerdy Tender could uh, could talk about. I'm assuming he could build something like that. That would that would run at like a mile a minute or something. But yes, but but in in conceptually, David, that 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 would be correct. I mean, but imagine doing that in the sport like basketball, where I mean, the games are all staggered out, and a guy could at halftime could have a you know, snowflake with 16 points. And by the end of the game have 64. So like, it's not necessarily, you know, Oh, they had a bad first half, but you know, they could have a ceiling result and vice versa. Now we've seen plenty of times, Joel Embiid, 38 and a half points, 42 and a half points at the half. And then he ends with like 54. It's like, okay, well, I expected more than that. Obviously you could simulate you know, outcomes based on what you currently have for their score and how much time is left in the game. But now we're adding even more complexity. But yes, yes, theoretically, conceptually, this there would be an edge in this. Yes. I mean, it's the edge that you try. I mean, dude, it's the edge that you try to do in late swap, you know, bluntly without running anything, without any computer programming. Right, you look at your lineups and say, you know, oh, I got, I got like the nut stack and the nut early running back, so I'm just going to swap to the highest rejected running back and on defense or whatever in my slots and and block people. Then vice versa. Oh, I don't have the 42 point wide receiver. So now what do I do? Right, it's, it, to me, it's the same concept that you're doing blunt. You're doing it bluntly yourself, manually. This would make it much more accurate. Right, much more precise. So that's really just the scope of what you're doing. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. If you got any questions, feel free. This is you know the mailbag, anything goes type of episode. Send them in. Send them in your questions. Send them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. We got some we got some grinder lo- grinders lives this week. Tomorrow, the show will be preempted. I'll be on with Dean. For the for we have a decent sized early slate for for MLB uh, Thursday. I think there's a four game early slate, so either there'll be a grinders live or maybe we'll just you know, build lineups on this show if we have it. Then Friday is MMA, so so next week I'm gonna I'm gonna need some questions in the queue. Send them in questions at theoryofdfs.com. Brian C asks in the chat in general when is a good time to use the OIS button when constructing lineups. Thanks. Uh, obviously, all the all the uh, all the settings in lineup HQ are just what types of lineups do you want to build, and whatever settings you need to do to get that to happen, 
you know, do, right? So we have this OIS button only in stacks. Typically, typically, uh, obviously in, in MLB, stacking helps your over, helps raise the, the better way. I, I don't know how to word it so it's not technically wrong, but stacking correlation increases the variance of your lineup. And the more, the more and more you stack, the more that the outcomes, like we have a distribution of outcomes, right? Like this is like, maybe it's not in baseball. It's not a, you know, a bell curve, but let's just say it's a normal distribution. Like the more and more players from the same team that you put in the lineup, the more and more everyone's outcomes are correlated to each other, right? I mean, that is what correlation is. So when there's a low, pro, like, the, uh, like a crappy hitter, a crappy eighth hitter, right, on a team that, you know, hits maybe two or three home runs a year, right, doesn't do much, you know, catcher, right? Some good, some good fielding catcher that ain't that great of a hitter, like on his own, has an outcome with a median projection of, let's say, five. But when combined with four other players, like if these four other players do well, if any one of the other four players do well, it's more likely the probability goes up that that garbage catcher, that garbage other player does well also because the team, they're scoring eight runs, 10 runs, 12 runs. He's getting an extra plate. Instead of getting three plate appearances, he gets five plate appearances. Okay? But he's crappy, right? So his, his individual plate appearances aren't as valuable as, you know, the best hitter on the team's plate appearances, right? It's much different from, you know, Mike Trout's paid plate appearances and some, you know, the, you know, the guy at the bottom of the order, right? The crappy guy, right? But the better that Trout does, the more plate appearances the other guy gets, the more players on base there are, right? So his, his plate appearances become much more valuable. A plate appearance is so much more valuable with the bases loaded than it is with no one on base, right? So correlation, in theory, helps the crappy p- people more than than the good people, right? Joey Otani could hit two home runs, and the Angels—that's only the only two home runs that the only two runs they score that entire game, right? Right? That 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 could happen, and obviously someone like Joey Otani is much more likely to do that than garbage guy at the bottom of the order or whatever in the line. Okay, so as a one-off, like Otani is a one-off, sure. I mean, he could be the one that has 32 points on the team and no one else does crap. So whoever has a stack didn't get there, didn't, you know, doesn't win. You still need Otani. It's much less likely that that whatever, I mean, I mean, if we use an example from today, I mean, let's go, let's go to the Angels. I mean, I'm talking about the Angels. Why not? Right, if we look at the projected order, I mean, it's against Kershaw, so I don't know if you... Andrew Velasquez at 2,200. Like, it's less likely you're playing them as a one-off, right? He's He benefits much more from the Angels overall doing well than him individually doing well, which is going to be much less probabilistic than Otani or Trout. Or even guys like Ward and Drury and Renfro. So the crappier guys benefit from correlation much more than, than, than the good players. So when you're thinking about like only in stacks, it's like, if you're building like five man stacks with three one-offs, if you're building and you have one-offs, I mean, if you're building a five, three lineup, then OAS doesn't even matter. Right. If you're building four, three, one, then it does. Right. Building anything with one-offs, OAS is going to matter. So because I'm not saying that it's, it's quite possible that Andrew Velasquez is a one-off is in the winning lineup. It is, it is possible. Even with if with 11 points, it's it's still possible. It's just less likely. So if you want to remove some lineups that have those probabilities versus lineups that have more, you know, the guy that that does well on the team is the only guy that does well on the team. It's much more likely to be Otani or Trout than it is to be Velasquez. Angels win 2-0 and Velasquez has doubled two home runs. It's much less likely than Otani and Trout both hitting home runs. 
and the Angels stack in and of itself doesn't get there. So that's why the only in stacks I could see going, okay, I'm building a bunch of Angels lineups, but I don't want like Wallace, Wallach, Stefanik, Rengifo, and Velasquez, only in stacks. So I keep them in my player pool. Now, obviously, if you don't want to play, if you're not playing Angel stacks and you don't want to play these guys at all, just, just X them out. Just, you know, exclude them. But this would be a way to only in stack. You know, I only want this in stacks. I don't want Michael Stefanik as a one-off in some random lineup. I don't mind him in angel stacks. If I'm building five-man angel stacks, go for it. Have fun. But if I have one-offs of angels, similar concept. The same thing could be said for like high-owned players in, in, in stacks, right? There may be a, if we look at like ownership, just a car, I mean, this is obviously a little bit spread out. A lot of people are going to be playing Joey Votto, right? At first base as a one-off or something. Maybe, you, maybe you're building red stacks, but you... You don't want to have, let's say Votto. I mean, I know it says 14% here, but let's say just for for example's sake, he's going to be like 28% owned. And you're like, well, he's going to be 28% owned. Do I want Do I want the most popular player on the slate as a one-off? Because that's going to look, that he's going to be in a lot of other stacked lineups. Or do you want him just in stacks? Which reduces the amount of combinations that you'd be competing with, right? So let's say you do Votto and maybe... Maybe the, the Reds are individually are too high on. Like Jose Ramirez for Cleveland, right? 5,200 third baseman. And you go, well, there's going to be a lot of lineups. If you, if you play Red Stacks, if you play Texas Stacks, if you play with like, it's very, it's very easy to fit in Jose Ramirez. I'm just making an example. So there's going to be a lot more combinations of Jose Ramirez in general in your contest that are related to other stacks as well as Cleveland stacks. There are much less Cleveland stacks, though. So you're like, well, I'm deciding on what lineups to play. You could still play plenty of plus EV lineups that have a one-off Jose Ramirez. But there are probably more lineups that don't have a one-off Jose Ramirez that are higher expected value. Probably. So that would be another instance where you'd be using this only in stacks button, if you so choose. You may not have a problem, dude. You may, you may, you may be. So you don't, you never have to worry about the OIS button. It's like, okay, well, it didn't happen anyway. That's why looking at your lineups is very important and not just going by these exposure numbers. Build your hundred lineups, right? And go, is that do it? Let's take a look at the Angels. Do I have any of uh, Velasquez one offs? Do I have any Chad Wallach one offs? And then you can remove those lineups, or if you're getting too much of it, then go. I'm gonna re. I'm gonna redo a hundred. I'm gonna rebuild a hundred lineups and have the. Oh, I see that I'm getting way too much. One off this guy, and you go. Okay, well, I'm just gonna click on OIS, and now that's done. Don't have to worry about it. now. Anytime that I get that guy in a lineup, he goes from being in thirty percent of your lineups to being in eight percent of your lineups, and in the eight percent of lineups that he's in, he's in a stack with his own team, right? Very simple. You don't have to change exposure numbers or anything. You just have to press the button and he automatically starts coming out of lineups where, you know, he projects well enough to be in that positional spot. And so it's a way to do that. Much easier than like building groups. Because you used to be able to do it if you do build groups, but you have to build like nine groups for a team in order to do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, let's see. Anything else in the YouTube chat? Discounts TV. Probably pitching some TVs. Do I need to get a new TV? No, I'm, I'm good with my TVs. Mr. Discounts TV. Trying to get more serious about DFS. Been watching your content for a while recently. Won the $5 single entry tournament, but never know each day if I should go heavier in cash or tournament lineups. It, it, it depends on how much edge do you think there is. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Put your money where the edges are. If you believe on this slate that, you know, oh, I know what a lot of people are going to be playing in double-ups. And I think that, I think my 3v3 or 4v4 is significantly enough better than that. Then then obviously you'd be, you think you have more of an edge in, in the cash games, then play more edge in the cash games. If you say it's like, yeah, what most people are going to play is what I would play, then what edge do you have there? You, everyone's paying the rake. Same thing for tournaments. You may be running your lineups. You're going through aggregating projections, looking, changing ownership and everything. And you may look and you go, yeah, this slate, uh, this pitcher is going to be like 30% owned. And he like shows up at like 2% of my lineups. So either, either my stuff is off too much or there's an edge here. I want to play the slates where, where, my lineups that I believe are are high expected value are significantly more different than what the field is going to do. And what do you do when you have a bit when you have a bigger when you think you have a bigger edge? You put more money. That's the Kelly criteria. Can you can you compute exactly what your edge is? Not in DFS, you can't. Way too complicated. Way too many variables, and they all are variant to a high degree. It's the same thing as like flipping a coin, right? You go, you're walking around town and you find some coin flippers, right? You go to a coin flipper, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, let, uh, you can bet on this coin flip, but you're going to have to lay 125. It's like, hell no, it's 50 fit. It should be plus 100, right? So you move on. Then you find someone that's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you plus 110 on a coin flip. It's like, oh, okay. That's profitable. I got I got an edge there. And then maybe two streets down, there's a guy that's doing plus 350 on a coin flip. You know what I'm doing? I'm not doing the plus 110. I'm taking my money and going over the plus one 350 guy on a coin flip. And he's like, well, how many times you want to do it? I'm like, how, how, what's your limit, buddy? What's your limit, right? You find where your edges are on that given day, given slate, anything. And you put your money, more money in, in the higher edge spots and less of your money in the lower edge spots. That's not just in DFS. That's in sports betting. That's in anything. Me personally, I have a percentage that I play on a, at the, at the limit I would play on a daily basis. And that will change depending on sport and depending on NFL Sundays, my... My percentage of bankroll played is significantly higher than on a random Tuesday in MLB, you know, in baseball. But that doesn't just include DFS. That includes props. That includes betting. That includes anything. So there are a lot of days, there, are, and there have been a lot of days the past year, especially this year, where I look and 90, I've, 90% plus, sometimes 100. There are some days where I I put all my money down on props. There's enough prop there's there's enough props out there that are high enough edge for me that well I've I've exhausted my allocation for the day and I don't play DFS. DFS has a lower edge than those prop bets. And then I just don't play. That's fine. Prop bets are easy. Probably, probably most of the time that's done in the morning. Maybe in the afternoon. 
I already got, I, you know, you wake up in the morning and I see, you know, it's like, oh, there's like seven or eight spots that are really good. That are, there's like one or two that are like great. And then there's a whole bunch that are really good. And then maybe, maybe one or two that are pretty good. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm doing prize picks underdog and I'm doing, you know, round robining, everything like that. And next thing you know, I have like three, four grand in play on all those props. And I'm like, okay, well, there's no, no DFS today. I mean, I could, but it'll only be a very small percentage. Yeah, I'll play the 121 or something or whatever. Sometimes I just don't, only because it's at a different time. It's like the type of thing is like, I already got four grand down on props. Like I'm done for the day. Like I could just not even pay attention. Like I literally will just not pay attention. I mean, there's a lot of times that's what I do on Wednesdays, right? Wednesdays I watch uh, AW Dynamite at night and I don't even want to be distracted. Me and my wife, we watch wrestling. That's what we do. That's a, That's our time together. So I'm not even distracted by what's going on in, in MLB or ML, in NBA or anything that's going on that day. So you know what those days, that's, you know, I, I got prop bets. I got that stuff. On a Sunday, NFL, maybe. I already got, I, I, I got a decent amount of prop bet action in on, you know, Tuesday or something. But I, hey, but since I'm going to be, since there's a much bigger edge in NFL contests, because of how much casual participation there is in comparison to other sports, my bankroll possessions just goes up. And then intermixed into, you know, granular into like, do I play cash games? Do I play this? That that percentage will change on a week-to-week basis. Sometimes it comes down to time. Sometimes, you know, on FanDuel, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to play one, one lineup in a bunch of, you know, 50-50s and head-to-heads or whatever. Just, I don't think I'm going to have the time to, to to allocate on Sunday morning to do everything well. So I'll just, I'm just going to play the aggregate optimal in, on FanDuel and be done with it. I mean, I could do that five minutes before lock with one button. Done. I don't have to be rushing to have to make, you know, 150 lineups here and 150 lineups there and 20 lineups here. Then I, on every day, I allocate what I'm going to do. So I, I, I am conservative with my bankroll. It's not a matter of like, well, 10,000 a day and 500 tomorrow and 2,500 a day. Like it's, it's all a percentage. So it's like, if I were to play today, right? T- typically my, my max at, at this point in MLB is like, is 4,000. And typically 4,000, I would never play 4,000 in just DFS but 4,000 as far as props or whatever you're concerned on a given day. NFL, that could be 10,000, right? And a lot of times I don't even hit the 4,000 in MLB. That would be the, that would be the max for me. And then once, as I build my rankle, then that goes up to 5,000, 6,000, 7,000. Is it a little bit more conservative than those people? Yes, it is. Maybe I am leaving money on the table by not, you know, Instead of, instead of doing some like quarter Kelly type of concept, I um, should be doing a half Kelly type of, you know, range. Maybe I could do it, but I mean, obviously the more higher percentage, the more I'm adding to my risk of ruin. In my stage of my life at 44 years old, I care more about that than making all the money. I can, can, I, can I do this in a way where I, I can live as I'm living currently forever it's like yes okay then do it do it that way <laughs> then i'll do it that way i don't need all the money it's fine brian c asks okay that's a joke question about sexually excited by reptiles right stacking gives you a better percentage chance of hitting a top lineup than nailing eight one of yes that's correct it's much harder to do than the eight perfect one-offs. That will be the optimal lineup, but you won't even need that. Like that, if you take a look on, an, on a large, an MLB slate, like what's the optimal? What's the best possible combination of players based on their salary and their score and their position? You'll see a lineup in baseball that's, you know, 310. And it's, it's eight one-offs and two pitchers. And one, both of them are, th- one's 3% and one's 1%. And, some of the batters are, are, are 
two percent, and you go, okay, this, this lineup's got three hundred and ten with eight one-offs. What was the winning lineup of the large real GPP? It's like two hundred and forty. Like the seventy points that you didn't need. Like so, you're not aiming for the optimal lineup like that. You don't need. You don't. You don't need that, right? If they, yes. If there was like 50 million people in the contest, maybe you would need, maybe you would need that. Need something closer to that, but not even in the Millie maker in NFL. Do you need, you know, the nuts? Like the lineup that wins the Millie maker is nowhere near the nuts in NFL. I mean, it's nowhere near it. Plants tons of points off. Now, sometimes when there are a lot of the chalk hits, then you're, then you're much closer to the nuts, but. You don't need anywhere near that. That's that's why we're stacking. It's, it's it's easier. You don't you don't you don't need those extra seventy points. Defix asks, "What metric can you use to select a pool of one-offs ceiling?" Well, I don't. I assume meaning projection is not ideal. It often include guys that rarely go for the fifteen twenty you often need. Well, that's also not taking into account that uh, when we said Andrew Velasquez before, maybe. In order to get all the expensive hitters and the two expensive pitchers in, Andrew Velasquez at shortstop with three points, that's the only way to do it because he's 2,200. So you can't just think of one side of like, well, if Andrew Velasquez only scores three points, he's not going to be, they, you're not going to win the GPP. It's like, well, well, what happens if all the expensive hitters do well? What happens if the expensive stack of all 5K batters, you know, they put up 16 runs, Right, the Dodgers put up 16 runs with the top five hitters. And a 10K pitcher puts up 45 points, and a 9K pitcher puts up 40 points. Like the uh, dude, you could win with Andrew Velasquez one off. There are instances of that. So I don't necessarily, I don't, I mean, me personally, I only use the OAS button when I when I when I look in lineups and I go, I yeah, I'm yeah, this guy's showing up way too much as a one more of a diversification tool i'm not i'm not gonna i'm gonna automatically separate myself from the pack with the 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 ownership version of that these are things you can do once you're generating lineups remember an ml especially an mlb dfs you can build fifty thousand for tonight's slate for today's slate how many games is it we got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven eleven games you can build 50,000 lineups that are good. That I would look at and go, oh, sounds good. Throw it in. But you're like, well, yeah, but I'm only playing 150. Or I'm only playing 50. Or I'm only playing one. Well, at the at, at, at that point, it's just a matter of which lineups. Do you, now it's just a diversification. It's a portfolio management issue. It's not which lineups are, are, are plus EV or not. As long as you're not building the bad lineups that are going to be in your contest, which typically is somewhere between 15 and 25% of, of lineups, your lineups are, are probably profitable in the long run. Realizing that profit, realizing that EV, well, good luck. I mean, welcome to DFS. I mean, like, like I do get questions like, you know, like Jeremy Bratz uh, uh, emailed me. Like, I know your first response to most people that ask you the question, hey, I'm struggling with LMB DFS. Can we help me figure out what I'm doing wrong is watch all the pregame shows and by the theory of DFS, which is correct. A theory of DFS.com. But I've watched and rewatched and purchased the courses. And I could, ju- I could just not be realizing my EV yet, but I'm just wondering if you had any questions for me to troubleshoot what I could be lacking in case it's something bigger than I'm missing. I think, I think, the thing that you're missing is the word could in the sentence of I could just not be realizing my EV yet. I've said this multiple times on the show. You do you I'm gonna I'm gonna say a definitive thing. Like based on who's in, I mean, I would I would say 90% of people watching this show currently still have not grasped how much variance there is in DFS. You go, yeah, yeah, I know variance. It's like, no, you, you've not you've not grasped how much variance there. You can play the top 150 ROI lineups. If we could simulate this out 
accurately with the projections and everything. You could play the top 150 ROI lineups every day and not win probably for five or six years with 150 lineups. Now let's say, well, I'm only playing 20 lineups. I'm only playing 25 lineups. Well, that's six times less. So it's quite possible. It's not quite possible. It's actually within the realm of one standard deviation outcomes that you play 25 lineups that are highly plus EV every day for MLB right now, every day, and don't win first place for 20 years. That's not, if that happened, that wouldn't be considered uncommon. Now, is it less common? Yes. You're experiencing a, a significant level of negative variance. But is it? Is it? oh my God, I must be the most cursed person in the world? No. It's within an expected range of outcomes. Within one standard deviation. It's part of that big bulk there. Right? And we're talking about large field content. We're talking about a 20,000 plus person contest, entry contest. Now, if that was happening in thousand entry contests and you were playing, you know, three lineups, five lineups, then maybe maybe after five years you'd be like, maybe maybe you may be doing something wrong. But you see the scopes of what I'm talking about, right? I, I an email like this. I mean, nothing against Jeremy or anything like that. It's like, okay, I started playing MLB this year. I started in April first, and now it is June fifteenth. Right, so April, May, June. So let's just say there's thirty. Let's say there's thirty days in each month, then half a month. Let's say that seventy. They played seventy-five slates. It's like I played seventy-five slates, and I have a minus thirty percent ROI. And I and I have, you know, I I came in eighth once, or something like that. But it's like I'm just not. I'm not getting there. What am I doing wrong? My, the truthful response, which doesn't help anyone, is see me in 10 years and not be able to tell you. But 75 slates is, you're not, you're not even in the ballpark. I mean, you're not, you're not even in the ballpark. 75 slates is a small, is, is not a small sample size. It is actually an extremely, absurdly small sample size. Okay. Like 75 slates is come back to me when it's 750. And even then I'll say that's a pretty small sample size. 750 slates. That's like three to four years of playing every day in MLB. And even then that three to four year sample size, I go, you're still not anywhere close within one standard deviation of your true ROI. And then I go, well, when, when will I be? I said, come back to me, come back to me in maybe 30 or 40 years. Even then, at that point, you have a better shot of being within your true ROI. Now, if you're obviously, if your ROI is like minus 90%, you must be doing something wrong. Just like if your ROI was 90%, like 190%, it's like that's called getting extremely lucky. But within these scopes of like minus 30 to plus 30% ROI, like, dude, you couldn't, I couldn't tell you if you're playing well or running bad for decades, decades, just based on those statistics. That's how much variance there is. An NFL, NFL, like people talk about NFL, does not include in showdown. So like you just play, you're playing 18 classic slates. It's like, what am I? It's halfway through the season. I've played nine weeks of NFL and I'm down like, like 50%. I'm down 60%. I'm doing, I'm done. Seem to be conceptually doing what you're talking about. I'm, I look at, I look at, the best players lineups, the top players, I look at their set, they're building very similar lineups to me. What am I doing wrong? It's like, you may not be doing nothing wrong. You're rolling a 5,000-sided die. You're guessing 492, and it's not coming. Like, you're getting paid 20,000 to one on a 5,001-sided die. I'm guessing a 5,000-sided die. Then you're saying, after, after nine rolls, what am I doing wrong? It's like, nothing. You're expected to lose 4,999 times. Like, 
You're just getting paid four times the amount than you should because you're getting paid 20000 a one for a 5000 a one shot. So you're not doing anything wrong. You just have to play long enough to realize your, realize your EV. That's why that's why you can't bet, you know, half your bankroll on every roll because you'll be you, by the time when you, when you do hit, you're gonna have one. You're gonna have a penny left. You have two cents left. You're not gonna profit enough. That's the point of the that that is the point of the Kelly criterion. That's the point of Kelly. When I say what am I doing wrong, it's like cut. It sounds it sounds like I like it's like like a joke answer, but it is the true answer. I wouldn't have any, no one would know. Come back to me in a decade. <laughs> right? As long as you're not like outlier lent. Like, you know, if you if you if you if you played 75 slates and you have a minus 92% ROI, you're doing something wrong. Right? Just like you played 75 slates and you have a 387% ROI. It's like you're not God. You're not the best DFS player in the history of the possible universe it's like you're you're running absurdly hot with variance like you can that's not sustainable but i'd say within that 30 percent plus or minus kind of area like one one like one two x the rake in either direction right maybe even one and a half x the rake in either direction 22 and a half to you know up and down that's world of variance like dude you wouldn't be able to tell the difference right just looking at that on whether or not you're playing well or running good or anything or anything like that once you start getting to the outliers yeah then 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 you could be like well i played i played 300 mlb slates and i'm minus 62 percent yeah you're probably doing something wrong to some extent you probably and i say probably you may not be you may not be. You're just over maybe one standard deviation. Maybe. It's still, depending on the con, if you're playing a large field contest, you're still not over. You're still not over one standard. You're still not within one standard deviation. Smaller field, much, much, it normalizes much, much quicker. Because obviously, you know, if all things were equal and you're playing a single entry 500-man contest that you should be winning, coming in first place once every 500 times. Now, the variance of that may be like, maybe there'd be some stretches where you don't come in first for 1,500 times. But at least then that's like, that's only like seven years of MLB rather than like 70, <laughs> right? That's how much variance. Like, people like, oh yeah, I understand. Like, no, you don't understand. You, you really don't understand how much variance there is in DFS. There's a lot of survivorship bias. There's a lot, there's a lot of people from five years ago that play DFS well, just as well as anyone else that is that is around on top now. But, you know, they're playing 10% of their bankroll and they had negative variance while other people that played, I'm going to play 15, 20% of my bankroll. And then they go on some hot streak. They're still playing well, but, you know, in a week, they, you know, they, they bink three contests in one week. Next thing they, they next thing you know they have a million plus dollar bank. The difference in the, 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 the skill of those two sets is is the same. One just benefited from positive variance quicker, and the other one negative variance, and they just stopped playing. They said, "Ah, I'm out of money," or I just, "It's not worth my time." That's how much of it. It's just so it's absurd. It's so absurd. So absurd. Why do you, why, why, why do you think I, I do a lot of prop betting now? Like the variance in prop betting is insanely, insanely smaller. Poker, same thing. And, then, and Dude, I used to play poker for a living. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of variance in poker. Right, someone hits a two-outer on you, right? Like, so, you know, someone makes their flush five times in a row. You know, like stuff like that happens all the time. You go, oh, variance sucks. You play DFS and you're like, then you come back to poker and you'd be like, poker, wow, how low variance this is. <laughs> right? Because DFS is like a hundred times higher. <sighs> Alex Santi says, I haven't binked for five figures in a contest in nearly three years. I profit because game selection and bankroll management are skills. That's correct. Oh, 
Defix says, I understand it's a minuscule sample size, but just looking at what the relay winner, Bro Rana, Bro Rana uh, Flex, uh, ran in all his lineups yesterday. All of his one-offs profile is more of the expensive guys with more ceiling. Yes, that, I mean, that is more probable. I mean, that's very much what I said before with the OIS button. I'm, I'm l- l- more likely to be using the expensive hitters that, you know, one swing in the back to get them double digits than guys that benefit more from correlation because they really, it's harder for them to get there themselves. But theoretically, one-offs with expensive guys or power hitters or whatever, the better players are are going to be, are going to be, are going to be a little bit better than ones that have like the 2K, the 2K crapper is the one-off. More probable. Doesn't, doesn't mean better. It just means more probable. Right, Alex Santi even agrees with me. Far less variance in poker than DFS. I mean, far. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculously less. Right, Defix says, I trust my process and know I'm not building bad lineups. I'm just looking to make them 0.5% better. Yeah, I mean, sure. Maybe maybe, maybe that's a way to do so. But now, I mean, once what you've gotten to your point, I mean, I've talked to you before on our coaching calls. You've gotten to the point where you're, you're fine. Now you're just going to get diminishing returns. You're, you're you're spending the time to improve your, your your stuff by about x little bit, which is fine if you if you find it worthy to spend your time to do so. You can still be profitable even if you didn't. You may find a better use of your time. Maybe you don't, and you want to. Maybe you just intellectually want to do it. That's fine also. Sometimes when I frame things in terms of like, you could look at these 84 different things. People are like, oh, I don't want to do all that. It's like, yeah, you don't have to, out of these 84 things, 80 of them, you don't, you don't, don't, don't worry about until you could do the other four things really well. Cause the other four things will take you 98% of the way there. And then the 80, 80, the 80 other things get you the extra dupes. But a lot of people look at the, these little things like, oh, what can I do here? What can I? And they just don't even get the central tenet of how to build good lineups or not build bad lineups. Defix says, I need more theory or wrestling episodes to find other ways to invest my time. Turns out a lot, a lot more, a lot more DFS players, or at least my audience of DFS players, watch professional wrestling than, than I thought. There are tons that don't. I could tell, I could tell, dude, I could tell on my Twitter feed, there's tons that don't because I could post some wrestling stuff and then. Next thing you know, I look the next day and I've lost 12 followers. I get it. I get it. But I never used to tweet tweet about wrestling because I'm like, oh, most people follow me for fantasy sports. And then I go, what do I care about those people? <laughs> like, dude, I'll tweet what I want to tweet. I, my account is me as a person. It's not like a topical thing, right? Yes, mo- yes. I developed my following at 17,000, whatever. Mostly from fantasy sports and DFS, yes. But I'm a, I'm a person also. Right, Alex says it right. Tweet however you want. Tweet however you want. Right? Okay, get your questions in. We got uh, Grinders Live tomorrow. Thursday, maybe, possibly. And Friday's MMA. So get your questions. I need questions for next week. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. Send them in. I will answer them. You see, I, I've, I've been nice. I was nice today. Some days I'm not nice, but today, today I was in a good mood, right? So send them in. We got, uh, I'll be on with Dean. I think maybe 1030 or 1045. It's an early one. I think the lock is 1210 tomorrow. So I'll be on, I may be on a little bit earlier with Dean and Thursday and maybe with Dean also. Uh, Obviously the all-star break will be coming up in July and, you know, that'll be a nice, nice week off or at least Monday through Thursday off. So send in your questions, questions at theoryofdfs.com. Hit the tummy thumbs on your way out the door. Smash the like button. Smash the subscribe button. Smash the notification bell to know when we go live. We got a big slate tonight. I think the DK is running a Millie Maker. I think it's more expensive. Is it a more expensive Millie Maker? I don't know. I haven't, I've not looked yet. Uh, so we'll be doing tons of content today on that slate on Grinders Live on Crunch Time. So tune into the channel. And get all of the takes for tonight's slate in MLB. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on that link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And if you want to learn more about a lot of the concepts that I was talking about on today's show, 
Go get the Theory Daily Fantasy Sports. How to think like a professional DFS player. 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. I'll see you tomorrow for Grinders Live, but send in your questions and I'll answer them here Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 